Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to The Whole 90. I'm your host, Ryan O'Hara. So again, I just want to thank you for tuning in. As I said a week ago, that my first few episodes going to come out today. And I hope you guys are stoked as I am to finally get this podcast rolling. So right before we get dive into anything, let's just talk about the sequence for today's episode. As I said, this will be a Bundesliga season review, as in what made this so special, some key moments that changed tides during the season, or just some matches that led to big results or just in the moment results so we're eventually going to kick off match day 11 Der Klassica in Dortmund and then after that we're going to look at kind of like how the table shifted before that and what the results meant after match day 11's Der Klassica and then we're going to dive into this reverse fixture of Der Klassica at the Allianz Arena in Munich and then after that we're going to talk about the Rivera Derby for those of you who don't know, the Rivera Derby is a matchup and a rivalry between Schalke 04 and Borussia Dortmund. And we'll talk about the match day 31 thriller at Dortmund's home ground. And then we'll talk about the Bavarian Derby. Now, some of you may be thinking Augsburg. Some of you may be thinking Nuremberg. Some of you might not know what the Bavarian Derby is. It's simply just two... De- a derby of two teams who are based off in the states of Bavaria, a German state. That's all you need to know if you don't know what it means. Now you do. So we're going to talk about the Nuremberg Bayern Bavarian derby that happened after the Rivera derby, also on match day 31. Then we're going to dive into the last six match days when Leverkusen kind of took the ground and took the Bundesliga by storm, grabbed something special that you will find out later on. Or in that segment when I talk about it. That spans from match day 29 to the end of the season. Match day 34. Then we're going to talk about how big the result on match day 32 was. From Leverkusen Frankfurt. I believe Leverkusen hosted that. Then we're going to talk about three match day 4 scenarios. To wrap it all up. We're going to talk about the Wolfsburg-Augsburg. Dominance of Wolfsburg on home on the final match day which meant some crucial result that some of you may know of some of you may not you'll find out later on we'll talk about the significance the Mainz Hoffenheim match had on match day 34 Mainz hosted that match as well and then we're going to talk about the triple r farewell that's just my little sag for it but as a lot of you may know if you follow the Bundesliga the Robin Ribery and Rafinha farewell Sure, some of you are like, why are you even talking about Rafinha? It's just something I got to do. I'm a big Bayern fan, so I'm not going to exclude anybody. Sure, it's mainly just the Ribery Robin farewell, but he decided to leave too because of all the defensive players that's coming in for for uh, Bayern, like Josh Pavard and, um, oh, 
this other center back and wing back coming in from Madrid. I'll figure out his name. Hernandez. Hernandez. Coming from Atletico Madrid. And then to close it all out, we'll already we'll just have a short briefing of who won the Bundesliga. I'm sure a lot of you, it's no true spoiler, but a lot of you should know. And then we'll round it out with how the table looked at the end and who advanced into the Champions League, Europa League, Europa qualification, who was the first one out. And then we'll also talk about the relegation, the automatic relegation. And then we'll talk about also, I almost forgot, we'll talk about the playoff that happened between the 16th seed in the top tier, Bundesliga top tier, and also in the Bundesliga second tier. What I'll tell you the one who came in third playoff. I won't tell you who came in 16th in the top tier, but Union Berlin faced the 16th finisher in the top tier from Bundesliga 2. So, and then we'll talk about who's joining the Bundesliga next year, the two or three relegated sides, as well as the two or three promoted sides. Not necessarily a short briefing. Don't know the promotion teams that well, but we will. We are saying farewell to two or three and saying hello to a new two or three. So that's how this episode is going to go. Let's get it started with the Der Klassiker matchup on match day 11. So match day 11 fixture against Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund finished a 3-2 win for the home side, which in this case was Borussia Dortmund. Scoring started early, 29th minute, Lewandowski capped one, but Marco Royce shortly after halftime picked up a goal in the 49th minute. Louis though gets his brace in the 52nd minute, and then Marco Royce gets his brace as well in the 67th minute. But then to top it off, Paco Alcasa finishes in the 73rd minute to give Dortmund the game-winning goal. Just some simple stats from the game. Uh, by Bruce is Dortmund two Bayern Munich. The stats will go. So shots to on goal. Shots on goal. 11-8, 10 to th- 10-3. Possession was 43-57 favor of Bayern Munich. Fouls, four to eight. Yellow cards, three went to Dortmund. And then corners were zero to six in favor of Bayern Munich. Saves were one for each keeper. So some simple stats. Nothing really happened in the first half. Just just the one goal by Lewandowski. That's all that really happened. But 49th minute the penalty. It was in front of the yellow wall, which as anybody who follows the Bundesliga or Borussia Dortmund knows, that's their supporter section. The yellow wall. That thing. That thing's solid. It's like, it's like the Humpty Dumpty side up there. It's, it's just the yellow and full of Dortmund, which I'm not a fan of. But hey, I'm not the judge of supporter section because I'm all for them. So in front of the yellow wall was a foul from Manuel Neuer. A foul that, in my opinion, being a goalkeeper, I judge it. I judge it differently than you will hear news, not newscasters. What am I talking about? Then um, uh, broadcasters will or the announcers because I just feel like I have a better personal opinion off of it. My opinion has touched took him out too wide. So even if he didn't get tripped up by Neuer's hand, I don't believe he would have gotten to the ball. The ball would have rolled out for a goal kick. But just because it was a foul in textbook play. Yes, but I always look at it as like, okay, what if that didn't happen? Could he still get to the wall? In my opinion, it was no. I don't think it should have been a foul. Sure, maybe a foul. I don't think it should have been a penalty or a foul in that situation because he would never have gotten to the ball. But that controversy over. The penalty was given. They convert, tied up after a 1-0 halftime lead by Bayern, which was evaporated in the span of four minutes. Another thing was Joshua Kimmich's 59th minute goal line clearance was insane. From a Bayern perspective, it was. It was heartbreaking from a Dortmund perspective. But 
Ball comes slotting across. Manny was beat. Matt Hummels or Jerome both. But no, not Jerome. Matt's, I believe. Comes through. Doesn't get doesn't get a clear on it. Doesn't really position himself well. Ball comes through. Dalton Shanker hits it. And then Joshua Kim just rushes and bam. Probably did his little famous screen after. If you don't know what I'm talking about. The screen that I am aware of. If you look at the first leg of the round of 16 matchup between Liverpool and Bayern Munich and Joshua Kimmich tackle on Sadio Mane, you will see exactly what I mean. But then we also had the 90 plus fifth minute minus all the goals. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Let's go back to the 59th minute when Paco Alcasa came on for Mario Goodson. That's when all the sweet stuff happened from a Dortmund perspective. And that's when everything broke into hell if you're buying. Now we're going to jump back into the 95th minute. Where what we believe was going to be a game-tying goal. And both sides were going to salvage a point. But that was still stripped away when Lewandowski was flashed for offsides. Dortmund, they're jumping up in the stadium. But I'm swearing the ref's name out at the end of the day. Uh, what was going to be a 3-3 draw was denied because of off of, because of offsides, not possibly. And then at the result ended in a Lucien Favre. Lucien Favre, my bad, pulled his side seven points clear of the table into what at the time was second place Borussia Mönchengladbach. So we had the 20, oh, 27, it's not seven points clear of Gladbach, seven points clear of Bayern, which was... Something big that we will call back on later. So they were set 27 points up, top of the table, and Bayern, at the end of that day, finished fifth in the table, which isn't something you want to see from a Bayern perspective, especially if you're living match days in. At this point, you're supposed to be six points clear at least, and then you're just never going to look back at this point. That's how it was the past six seasons. So why is it changing in this case? But going from top to bottom... We're in after that match, we had Borussia Dortmund at the one spot, 27 points. Munchengrad back in second. RB Leipzig third. Eintracht Frankfurt fourth. And what would have been if the season ended that day, your Champions League from Germany. And then your two definite Europa spots would have, would have been Bayern Munich and Hoffenheim. Which, that's why we don't play 11 matches because that tells nothing about how the league's going to go, how the teams are, or anything. It's just 11 matches out of 34. But that's what the match meant for. And for Dortmund, they would have wished they didn't draw their first three of their first 11. Because who knows, maybe the table would have looked different at the end of the match. Now let's go through, and I'm just going to recap for you, what the first 10, not necessarily the first 10, more like the later 10, because... The first five kind of just look like your typical Bundesliga formation. Oh, Bayern comes in ahead. Oh, well, typical routine. They're going to come up. They're going to let a team or two get up above them. And they're just going to come in and soar out. But that's not how it happens. So let's start it on match day six. So match day six is when the lead in the Bundesliga changed for the first time in the season. Sure, it's six matches. And you'd be like, why? And I'm like, well, this lead went back and forth. And then it held out for a while. So Bayern was leading after five match days with a total of 13 points, dropping. The only game they dropped points was on match day five, the 1-1 draw against Augsburg at home. And then through five match days, Dortmund had a 7-0 thrashing, which 
bump them up to 11 points to put them instead of four now two points behind the league leaders Bayern at that stage and then match day six Dortmund won a 4-2 game against Bayern Leverkusen jump up to 14 away Bayer Leverkusen not Bayern that's my fault and then Bayern Munich lost 2-0 against Hertha Berlin in Berlin where they stayed at 13 for another week as well in match day seven when they lost 3-0 in Munch at home against Munch Gladbach as then Dortmund now took the four-point advantage, winning 4-3 home against Augsburg. So then eventually we get into match day nine when it became a bit closer. Dortmund again only picked up a draw on that, a 2-2 win home against Hertha Berlin. But then Bayern took advantage of that on their second straight win first against a 10-men sided against Wolfsburg and then beat Mainz 2-1 away to pick up two points from to pick up three uh, the total three points but now move two points behind Dortmund instead of being their four point typical four points behind but then match day 10 hit again and they couldn't take advantage of another match so Bayern dropped points again stayed to 20 and Dortmund picked up all three moves up to 24 and then like I was just explaining Lucien five aside went seven points clear when they beat Bayern to jump up from to 27 points, which kept Bayern at 20 points. Through the first load matches, Dortmund were league leaders with an 8-0-3 record, picking up a total of 27 points. The draws came on match day two away against Hanover, a 0-0 draw. Off match day four away, 1-1 draw at Hoffenheim, and a match day nine home draw, 2-2 home draw against Hertha Berlin. Bayern's record, on the other hand, wasn't so hot from what they typically put through 11 match days. They went 6-2-3 with their two draws coming again, two losses coming back-to-back shutout losses. First on the road in Berlin, a 2-0 beating, and then a thrashing, 3-0 thrashing for Mönchengladbach in the Allianz Arena. And then they lose again on match day 11 to Dortmund, of course, and they pick up Two draws, which just two points when they should have picked up more. Match day five, home against Augsburg. And match day 10, home against SC Freiburg. We're going to jump back to the Der Klassiker shift. So match day 28, reverse fixture. So much is put into this game. Bayern goes into the match one point. I repeat, one point behind league leaders Dortmund. So this game means a whole lot. Practically decides the title right here. Will Bayern jump up two points or will Dortmund keep it, ex- extend the lead and maybe run out the season with it? So the final for the match was a 5-0 thrashing for the home side. Matt almost gets revenge on his old club in the 10th minute. Louis grabs his 200th, yeah, 200th career Bundesliga goal in the 17th minute off a mistake which we'll talk about in a few. And in the 41st minute, Xavi Martinez puts a beauty of a volley away. And just shortly after the kickoff in the 43rd minute, Serge Gnabry converts. Then Louis gets goal 2-0-1 in the 89th minute to round out the scoring and leave Dortmund fans crying in Munich. So simple stats going by in Dortmund in this case. Shots on goal, 22 for Bayern, 10 on target, and Dortmund only Managed to put four shots, one on target. Possession, 59-41 in favor of Bayern. Fouls, 10-12. Bayern picking up one, one yellow card in 10. Dortmund picking up two and 12. 
And then we got corners, 11 to 1, 9, easily. Gained so much off of that. Some set pieces, you always want to have set pieces, but when you look at it, corners are the most deadly set piece because it's, it, it's like a free header almost. It's like, because you, you can catch a keeper off his line or you can catch a five-footed on his line. You just got to tell him the players and jump. It's kind of just a free hectic up there. So corners, if you get a lot, you better convert on some. Otherwise, the corner side means nothing if you can't convert. And Bayern did in that scenario. So 11 corners meant something to Bayern in this, in this case. And saves, Manuel Nari only needed one save while Romain Berkey put up a total of five saves, but it wasn't enough for their 10 shots on target. So in this case, Romain Berkey was in goal this time, in, uh, which instead of Marwin Hitz, who started the reverse fixture on Manchester 11, Romain Berkey is, was that seat for the past season, Dortmund's number one. So first minute, so early corner kick already. Matt Mask has to taste a goal. Just, just misses target barely. But at the sixth minute, Mahomed Daoud hits the right post in a crazy sequence. So the, the ball's out on the left side of the pitch. So we're looking. So if you know, so we're watching on the television, and you're staring right now at the center circle. We are going to the left side of the field right now. So now re-angle yourselves looking at that left side of the field, and now you are on the center circle. So we're on the left side of the pitch now. The ball comes down. He, The player dribbles on towards the end line, cuts it back to run the 18-yard line, and Muhammad hits the ball with power. Definitely would have been Manuel Nari if on target. I thought my Bayern fan counterparts thought it was in our hearts drop when we saw it hit the post and trickle out wide for a goal kick. We felt rejuvenated. We're like, oh, fuck yes. That post saved the damn day. But then it wasn't enough as the ninth-minute corner leads to the 10th-minute Matt Hummel's goal. It hit off. It was a goal inside the six. Far post, redirection header. Great in-swinging ball. Came off. Just a nice little flick on. You love to see the far post finishes sometimes. And then... A shocker in the 17th minute, Don Axel Zagadu puts an incomplete pass to his center, his counterpart center back, which the youngster didn't know where Louis was, which I find hard to believe. He's one of the biggest, baddest, and most Polish striker in the Bundesliga and all across Europe. You, you, no team wants to face him. Center backs are scared of him because he can hit the ball, he can head the bar, he can do anything with the ball. You just don't want to deal with him. So that's why in 190 minutes are up. All center backs practically throw a party because they don't have to defend Louis anymore. But that leads to Louis's 200th career Bundesliga goal, which Romain Berkey then decides to come out after the incomplete pass, which Louis grabs. Louis fakes out Romain, and he just puts on a side volley. I suggest you look up his 200th career goal. Maybe just watch the highlights too while you're at it, but it was... It was a beauty for a 200. It wasn't an easy goal. Well, it was an easy goal in the sense it was wide open. But you don't want a really special goal to be easy or easily forgettable in the sense of how it finished. You want it to be something special. And you get the ball. He just jumped and side volley that from maybe like 20, 25 yards out. Hits the inside of the post. Goes in. I suggest watching the one when you have all the different countries announcing it. 
it's it's a great sight to see football expanding around the world, European football around all different countries now. But we're gonna get back into the game. Fortieth minute on the nose. Fortieth minute on the nose. Xavi Martinez hits a volley, like, and I mean, a serious, wicked volley. Right foot, far post. It was a uh, fallout after a free kick when the ball came in. Thomas, you know, makes a great run, gets the ball, hits it. It's just a save, and then it trickles back out. A misclearance leads right into Xavi Martinez's path, and he just bends it. Incredible goal. Roman Berkey had no chance. I felt those sorrow just because it's, it's a passion. So it's a passion thing, so... You can get someone who could watch the game and have been a Hanover fan and be like, oh, I feel sorry for Berkey. He had no chance of that. But if, like I just said, for like the third time, fourth time, that's just a passion thing. Four, 43rd minute at this point, I believe they already, Bayern already had 13 of their 22 shots. Only two minutes, less than two minutes apart from Xavi's goal, Serge makes it, adds another one up. So it, which led it to four in the half, and they go into halftime with seven corners. They go in with a 4 0 lead, which looked like the end for Dortmund, and it ultimately was. And then you saw in the first half was a quick up tempo because you, if you're Bayern, the title's on the line in this match. A draw could still mean, sure, we have a chance, but we're still behind. But a win means it's in our hands now. We don't need. A team to face Dortmund and say, "Oh, we need your help now." It they wanted to be in their hands, and ultimately, that's what it led into. Like I just said, first place was on the line, and then the second half came in. It was a very calm, subtle second half. Every we're at four, so we wouldn't have seen the same quick up tempo. It was kind of just like, "Oh yeah, there's a game happening," kind of just seeing what's gonna happen. It was almost like when the U.S. Women's National Team goes up five, six goals. You're like. Okay, we like we know the game's happening. We're like, let's just see if there's a goal involved. It was kind of one of those second halves. And it played Bayern's way the whole game. Played Bayern's way. Possession, passing, control of the field. That's how they break them break down their opponents, even if they don't want to press them and chase them, still breaks them down. You you're not gonna stay strong. You're not gonna stay 90 minutes strong and just defending, 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 set piece after set piece, and dribble after dribble and Playmaker after playmaker against Bayern. Eventually, you'll crack. But And then you do get the teams that just crack that much quicker. They decide to press Bayern. So then the only true thing that really happened in the second half was the 89th minute when Louis converted and made it 5-0. Great result for Bayern. And goal number 201 for him. It was just an exceptional performance for him. I believe he gained the match ball. He deserved it. And it was an incredible game for the 100th edition of Derek Classica in the history of the Bundesliga. And I was glad that I was able to witness it. And what I believe that comes from that match is that it's Niko Kovac, the Croatian manager, is showing us that his side is truly resilient. How all the early woes of how they went down nine points at one point. They went down 12 points behind Dortmund, with the game in hand on Dortmund, don't get me wrong, but they were at one point 12 points behind Dortmund in the standings. Or if you want to put it on level terms, in level on terms of matches played, nine points. 
and they went in, they even went into the winter break and went seven points behind. So after the back half, they're still seven points behind. They were nine points behind a few weeks before the winter break. So it's just showing resilience how they come out. They don't care how Dortmund plays, the pressure that's on Dortmund. They just look at it. It's like, sure, the pressure is still on us, but it's not on us to keep it. It's on us to get there. And they did. They got there. They took the lead after the 5-0 win. Went up a point, I believe, 62-61. to 61. So it was an outstanding performance, and he showed why he deserves to have the job. Nobody else should have gotten Byron was right to give him the job. So I credit Nico Kovac for a great season. And now let's go on to another big matchup that just happened three weeks later. I'm actually 31, the Rivera Derby Schalke in Dortmund. So just right quickly before we jump into the Rivera Derby, we're going to actually go through. I was wrong before. It, was, it wasn't a 62-61 on points. Bayern took advantage 64 points to Dortmund 63 points. And then they held out a strong record throughout with, I believe, winning, not winning every game, winning every game except two, which were draws against Nuremberg and RB Leipzig, this strong Bayern Munich side. So they go through and they just see Dortmund crack under the pressure. Dortmund goes through after their loss. They do pick up a win against Mainz. And then a, another win against Freiburg, but then they lose in what I will talk about next, the Rivera Derby draw against Fred Bremen, and then it kind of just all went down from there, being now four points behind and with two matches to play. And then going to the last match day, two points down, Bayern goes in with 75 points, Dortmund goes in with 73. It's a Bayern can do anything. Well, they can do nothing but lose if Dortmund wants a chance to really win the title. So now we're going to actually jump into the Rivera Derby. I'm sorry, I got your hopes up for that. So like I said before, if you don't know what the Rivera Derby is, it's a Schalke-Dortmund rivalry that spans back to a long time. Uh, it was a 2-4 finish, Schalke's favor. Uh, crucial away win for Schalke, not just for Dortmund. No, 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 not just for them or Bayern, but mainly just to pride off. The fact that I believe Dortmund won the reverse fixture in Schalke. It's 14th minute. We had a goal by Gutze, which made it a 1-0 scoreline. But then Daniel Caligari on a penalty made it 1-1. But then Salif Sané for Schalke in the 28th minute made it a 1-2 scoreline. But then Caligari just put this spectacular free kick away in the 62nd minute to make it 3-1 favor Schalke. But Axel Witzel says, oh, no, 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 we're not done yet in the 84th minute. Converts it 3-2, but at this point, they were already down to 10, 9 men. Excuse me. But then Brian Bolo says, screw you, Witzel. We don't care if you score. We're going to score right back. Scores less than two minutes later in the 86th minute after Axel Witzel's 84th minute goal finishes off the scoring in 2-4. So you did just hear me say that. When Axel Witzel scored in the 84th minute, Dortmund was already down to nine men. And that's because Marco Royce in the 60th minute picked up a red card for a, a horrible pain killing Achilles tackle. He slides studs up into the Achilles of Svat Sarder, which eventually does lead to the 10th, 10 men Dortmund side. But then Marius Wolf does the exact same thing. Same player, practically the same place, too, and the same kind of tackled. 
tackle. And it is same result, red card. They went down to nine men. And the goalkeeping matchup was pretty shocking because there weren't saves for either side. So stats are going to go Dortmund to Schalke. Shots on goal, 8-2 to Schalke's 8-4. Possession was 70-30 in favor of Dortmund, which shockingly they could not do more with the 70% of possession they had. Fouls, yellow-red. Fouls to yellow to red cards for Dortmund were 11-0-2. And for Schalke, they were 19-6-0. Corners were 2-4 favor of Schalke. And again, saves were 0-0. Roman Berkey was in goal for Dortmund. And Alexander Nubel was in goal for Schalke. And combined, yes, they had zero saves combined. And just a tad bit history why the rivals there, the two towns are only... 35 kilometers apart. So I see exactly why there's a big rivalry between the two teams. So 14th minute, we're going to start it off. Jaden Sancho puts a lofted ball over the defense and just puts it on a platter. And I mean a simple platter from Aero Goodson, who just hits the ball. First time header, far post. away from Alexander Newell makes it one nothing. It was a great run by Goodson, great ball by Jaden Sancho. So, we're going to go back in 16th minute. Brian Bolo has a shot blocked by Weigel's hand, which then results into a VAR check, which then will eventually lead into a VAR-convinced penalty kick, given Caligiri steps up, converts. Roman Berkey had no chance, never could get in his head. 27th minute leads to the corner, which then in the 28th minute, Salif Sané, Heads the goal, assist goes to Caligiri on an out, swinging of a corner. They was very close, 10 yards out, puts it far post, which I feel like every goal I've talked about today has gone far post in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it was very a powerful ball with pace, not any chance Remy Berkey has. Almost like a Matt Hummel's goal, but just Felisane instead. And then I already talked about the red card Marco Royce had. It, it's still a disgusting tackle. If, if you want to watch it, go ahead. Match day 31, Rivera Derby highlights, or just Schalke versus Dortmund, and look for the image. I believe it'd be a Schalke player celebrating, and you'll see just some yellow behind him. You That's the game you want to click on. Or just look at match day 31, 4 2, Schalke versus Dortmund. You'll get the matchup. I just watching the highlights. Because you will not believe the Caligari free kick. I can't even describe it as well as just watching it. It was phenomenal, spectacular, amazing. It, it was like Super Calif Graduate looks expialidocious great. So it was about 25 to 30 yards out, and he just knuckles it. Power. Just it was it was like a dead knuckle. Wasn't even possible to save for Omin Berkey. He could fly all he wants. You know, I was once told someone don't know why they were thinking it but i sent something to them and it was a goalkeeper diving on a free kick he's like why'd he dive does he just want to fly like a bird and i'm like well it's his job to save the ball but yeah so roman burke can believe he's a bird and fly up to that top corner but he was not saving caligari's free kick that was from 30 maybe 28 yards out 30 yards out not possible and then, again, Marius Wolf's 
replica of a foul by Marco Royce gained everything that Marco did an early shower. 94th minute, uh, the top right side of the box cross goes in into like the six yard, the six yard sideline. So like you got the six yard box, like now look at that and you have like the two sidelines. It slotted in there, which was a head that eventually did go back across goal for a one touch in-step shot with Axel Witzel's right foot. And it did go far post in Nubel's sense sort of went near post in terms of, like, the ball. So it was an easy tap and goal, pretty much. But then 86, the quick restart was too much for Dortmund. Down two men, just going, thinking they have everything, get too cocky and just break down, weren't ready for the Briambolo finesse shot, which was a low grounder. One of, I would almost say sort of like a FIFA finesse shot kind of goal. But not entirely. Great goal. And then Shaka fans sing their way back home through the night. Picking up the 4-2 win in the Bavaria Derby. Now we're going to transition on into the Bavarian Derby. Which happened, I believe, the next day. It was in Nuremberg. The result was 1-1. First, the 48th minute. Matthias Pereira. Converted for Nuremberg, and then Serge Gnabry gave hope in the 75th minute for Bayern Munich. And so we're going to start it again how I have started every game, just about just some simple stats. Nuremberg to Bayern Munich. 10 shots, 4 on target to Bayern, 17-6. Possession, a 67 to 33% favor for Bayern Munich. Fouls, 12 for Nuremberg, resulting in 1 yellow card, 10 for Bayern, resulting in 2 yellows. Even, even Stevens with five corners each, and Nuremberg had five saves, while I believe Sven Ulreich in the moment in that match had three. The first half was one of the most entertaining matches you'll get from the eventual champions and the eventual 19.18th place automatic relegation team, which you don't think you'd ever get a good match out of first and worst, but you did. 0-0 zero, zero draw. It just shows you results, records, points mean nothing. It just depends how you play on the moment in the sport of soccer. So we're just going to kick it off straight into the 48th minute. It was a quick start for Nuremberg, and they took advantage of it. Tim Leobold put a three ball in for Sebastian Kirk, which then he eventually took to the end line, and then Garrett crosses into Eduardo Lauren, and then Sven Ulrich muffled the ball, which was shot by Lowen. Lewin, my bad, and it fell straight into Matias at at the 18, and he puts it one touch, left foot sets up. Now that was your typical FIFA finesse goal. Low into the far post, finish two. Too easy for Nuremberg. It was, sure, you can say some bad. Some of the fault should go on Sven. Others of it, you might say, no, I'm being too harsh, but it he should have collected it. It should still be 0-0 going to the 75th minute, which the 75th minute, you have Coleman pulling off the Robin special cross. It's kind of, if you don't know what that is, kind of like a, oh, I'm going to dribble down the right foot and I'm just going to bring it back across to my left. You know what I'm doing, but you can't stop me. That's the typical Robin situation. If you look up typical Robin goal, you're going to get exactly what I just described. He's going to dribble down the right flank, 
cut back across on his left foot, take a few touches, and just swerve it far post. It's an amazing sight to see. <laughs> so then he pulls off, and he gets a lucky deflection off of Robert Bauer, resulting in an unstoppable Serge Gnabry finish it, because it throws off the keeper for Nuremberg, and it just throws off everybody. And then we're going to get into the 89th minute. Now, sure, I said the first half was exciting to watch. Even the lead-up for Nuremberg after they scored, and eventually to Bayern scored, nothing. That game, The whole game meant nothing until the 89th minute happened. Alfonso Davies, which in my opinion, it was just unlucky how his arms came down. You see every player go up, and when they jump, they bring their arms down to get the extra elevation. It was it was unfortunate. I've seen the foul happen a lot when it's not called, but in this case, it was called in the Canadian international ex Vancouver Whitecaps player Alfonso. He just elbows Georg Margariter, which was sadly in the penalty box. Again, I am a Bayern fan. If you've not picked that up yet, which and then after a long check is awarded the ninety first minute, Tim Lebo. Beats Ulrich, and I saw it go past Ulrich, and I'm like, shit, it's 2-1. How are we going to get this? We, If we lost that match, we would be one point. We would have meant nothing, took advantage of nothing on the Rivera Derby that we that Schalker gifted us. But in a split second, this game of soccer is a split second game. Hits the post. I feel so happy. Now, the only thing I was sad of is will that bounce off Sven Ulrich's backside and go back into the goal? It makes one of the most improbable, and I mean improbable, bounces. Hits the post, almost goes right in front of the other post, like inches in front of the other post, it just goes out. Eventually goes out for a throw in on the opposite side. Again, this is another game I suggest you watch the highlights for. Match day 31, Nuremberg. Bayern Munich, great finish. The ending, you will agree with me, was the best part of that game. So in the 95th minute, I look at this and I'm like, this is our chance to seal the fucking deal. Kingsley Cohen breaks free from the field. You're not going to catch him. He's practically the Mbappe when he's running top speed in the Bundesliga. And you know you can't catch Mbappe if he's at top speed with the open field. It's, it's like trying to catch Usain Bolt. It's not possible. So he comes through, half field gets the ball. And then Christian Mathanania saves a point-blank shot, one-on-one shot. Nuremberg, at the time, fights relegation, but then says hello to the second tier after saying goodbye for a season. Now we're going to actually, now let's go through, and right before we talk about the Leverkusen's, Leverkusen dominance. We're actually just going to talk about the matchup they had with Frankfurt during that run, and then we'll go through the match day 29-34 stint when they were probably the best team in the Bundesliga. I'm sure you're probably annoyed at this point by my voice, so I'm going to give you a short little break. I mean, it's going to be sad. You're going to miss my voice for about three minutes, three and a half minutes. No, you really won't. But anyway, here is a song called Beats on AJR's newest album, Neo Theater. Go look them up on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. They're all AJR Brothers is the name of their accounts for all of those. So go listen to them on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, anything you can, Pandora. 
Go listen. Beats. AJR. Here you go. Now yeah, it's so strange to have a bit of success Now our song plays in the produce aisle What if someday you say, who the hell is that? Okay, this all could be over by the next day So should I make famous friends? Now our song plays in the produce aisle What if someday you say, who the hell is that? Would Beats by Dre Pay 20k for us to say that they are great Recording costs for this whole song Could all be paid by Beats by Dre With Beats by Dre Pay 20k for us to say that they are great Recording costs for this whole song Matchup on match day 32 was a big, was a big, big decider for both parties, Leverkusen and Frankfurt. This match, I believe, was a Frankfurt hosting side, won the game in a 6-1 thrashing. Goals came, all goals came in the first 36 minutes, second minute, 13th, 14th, 23rd, 28th, 34th, and 36th minute. And if you believe it, Frankfurt actually did score twice with an own goal. But now we're just going to go through the simple stats 
You'll hear all the goals. I'll talk about them, describe them a bit. But shots, 16-10, Leverkusen 6-2 for Frankfurt. 81% possession for Leverkusen. If you don't win a game or blow out one for that, you don't deserve to have 81% possession. But Leverkusen do do that, and they deserve the win, the big win, and the eventual spot which will put them into the Champions League with this run of form they had. And then the corners, Frankfurt did have the better corners, and of course you're going to have more saves if you have 10 shots on target. But again, like I said, all the action came inside the first 36 minutes, so it was a game you could watch and then turn off your TV after halftime. Second minute, Charles Arrangues plays the ball, a horizontal ball into Kai, into Kai Havertz. He just takes a touch, turns, hits it from around like the semicircle you see on the field. It was a left footer inside the far post. Too easy for Kai. The 13th minute, Lars Bender receives the ball. Turns. Seems like everybody wants to turn in this game. So he turns on it. Puts it opposite side. At, around the penalty spot, he received the ball. He lays it back off to Charles, who just had the assist earlier on. Who then eventually plays Brandt. Charles picks up, picks up his second assist. Who Julian Brandt puts it on a one-touch instead. For goal number two. Easy, wide open, gaping goal. As cool as a cucumber for Julian Brandt. 14th minute. It's quick, quick, chaotic goal if you from Philip Kostic. It was a goal so not goal celebration, it was a goal deflection from Ante Rebic from Frankfurt. Or it came off of or <laughs> whoops. Or it came off Jonathan Tarr for Toff from Leverkusen. It's hard to tell. I've looked at the angles I have possible for that, and I just can't tell who gets the last touch off of it. But it didn't matter because it sent Lucas Herdecki the wrong way, which put into the back of the net, and a goal is a goal. As one of the quotes I love when it comes to soccer, goal is a goal is a goal is a goal. So in the 23rd minute comes in, Kevin Vaughn hits a low ball into the far post. Hideki saves it, but far, puts it into a far post save for Hideki. But then Lars Bender plays the ball from the end line, which was where the which ended up being the placement of the save to Lucas Alcadrio's head, which ends up in the back of the net, which just seems to be the storyline for this matchup. But he was four yards away from the back of the net. So if he didn't put it in, there would have been some talk about it. Five minutes later, the 28th minute, Julian Brandt feeds Charles the ball, which and he finally converts the ball, deserves his well-earned assist on the match. And then the 34th minute, Kevin Volland plays a low cross from around six yards out to Lucas Adedro. Alerio, who just roofs it, easy tapping, roofs it. Well, it should have been an easy tapping, but he makes it look a bit scary and roofs it. Then where the action sort of ends, the 36th minute, a free kick by Julian Brandt. And then Martin Hintenegger tries to clear the cross from six yards, but it results in an own goal as it just comes off the wrong way. And then the 69th minute, where second half action a bit happened. Kai Havertz, uh, one-on-one 
but was denied by German international Kevin Trapp. And the second half was, of course, a possession-oriented match for Bayer Leverkusen. So that 6-1 matchup that Leverkusen beat Eintracht Frankfurt in had a big impact on both the remainder of the seasons for both sides. We're going to backtrack to match day 29 to go through how Leverkusen completely shifted the table. So match day 29, they are in a 1-0 victory against a 10-sided VFB Stuttgart, which earned them their 45th point of the season, a full three points. They go on to another shutout win, Nuremberg, 2-0. Boots up to 48. Okay, two wins. Anybody's really done that in the league so far. Augsburg, 3-1. Match J, 4-1. Match J, 31. 51. Okay, you're still probably yelling this. Like, I don't care if they won these six. A lot seem to have done it. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Goes through again. I had Frank for the 6-1 game. Who cares about that now? They picked up their 54th point. Now, Shaka, Match J, 33. No, they didn't win. They drew 1-1. Picked up their 55th point. And... Rounding out the final six matches, going 5-0-1, picking up 16 points of the 18 overall. They get their 50th point, which puts them fourth in the Bundesliga standing, which puts them back into Champions League play, something they missed out for a few years. So it's nice to see some other teams getting in, but you do know 1-2 and two will always be Bayern and Dortmund every year going to the Champions League. It's just who's going to be 3-4, and four, and then who's going to be the first out. So now on the flip side for Frankfurt, it didn't go so hot. Let's go back to match day 29. 1-1 draw against a whole match against Augsburg. 1-3 result. Don't pick, I, I don't believe they picked up points. Match day 30 against Wolfsburg away. 1-1. Picked up one point there. 53. Match day 31. Home. 0-0 match. Picks up one point there. 54. Then they go to Bayer Leverkusen away, lose 6-1. Then they're home against Mainz, lose 2-1, 2-0. And then they play the dreadful, fearful, and impactful Bayern München side and lose 5-1 in Munich. So they ultimately didn't pick up a point in the last four match days, which is, I mean, the last three match days, which is kind of depressing in a way because they were in prime position early on and throughout so much of the season to go into Champions League play. But because of the result of Mainz-Hoffenheim, which we will get to after Wolfsburg-Augsburg, which we are getting, which we are transitioning into in a minute, that result that Mainz got left Eintracht Frankfurt with some rope. And Eintracht will now go into next season having to go through Europa League qualifications, which I believe they can get through. Sure, I looked at it, and I, they probably did deserve a Champions League spot, but they just didn't finish. And that's one of the crucial things if you want to play in Europe. You got to finish if you want to get into the Champions League. You have to finish your season right if you want to play in Europa League. So, my seeds them the favor, puts them into Europa League qualifications. And now we're going to see if they can get into the Europa League or if they're going to be knocked out before the tournament even starts. So, match day 34, we're going to get into two games here. First matchup, Wolfsburg, 8-2 Augsburg's one goal. This was played in Wolfsburg. See, I had a whole crap ton of notes, but I don't think you want to hear me talk about one match where me or you 
knows a whole bunch about the two teams. I specifically don't like follow them that well. I can't really name a starting player for Augsburg. I mean, I know Joan Brooks, but that's because he's American. That's the only player I can name off the top of my head for Wolfsburg. So instead of going through the whole long list of notes, we're just going to go through who scored, what minute, what the score was, and some simple stats. Let's, the simple stats we'll start off with. Stats will go Wolfsburg to Augsburg. Shots on goal. 18-11-2-12-3. Possession, 55-45 Wolfsburg favor. Fouls, 7-12, two yellow cards for Augsburg. Corner, 6-5 Wolfsburg advantage. Saves, 2 for Augsburg advantage. So we're going to go through the goals. 21st minute, about Weghorst. Makes it one nothing for Wolfsburg. Grabs his second in the 37th minute. Makes it 2 nothing. 41st minute, Robin Nolk makes it 3 nothing, And then Vegverse gets his hat-trick in the 55th minute. Special day for him. And then the 57th minute, Daniel Ginzek makes it 5 nothing. Elvis Rexenbach makes it 6 nothing in the 60th minute for Wolfsburg. But Julian Schieber gets some... Shines a tat, shines like a lamp worth of light on Augsburg. Makes it 6-1. They just grabbed the goal. 85th minute, Joseph Bercalo was having none of it, makes it 7-1, and then the Kevin Downso own goal makes it 8. And a lot of it was just about doing, about Vagverse doing a lot of the work for Wolfsburg. Whole great team performance. Fans loved it. Everybody loved it from Wolfsburg. I mean, why wouldn't you? You won 8-1. Final match day. You're on to Europa League. Somewhere where, I know I haven't seen them there in a while, so it's nice I get to go back and play in Europe. Something, an accomplishment that you go through. Can't win the title, let's go play in Europe then. That's what they strive to do. So now we're going to get into the big match that actually eventually helped out Frankfurt, which you believe they really shouldn't have. They picked up a total of two points in the last six matches, so why should they get help from anybody? But they did. Mines helped them out. So the final score was 4-2 Mines. It was at Mines. Isaac Belfoldi, Belfoldo makes it one nothing for Hoffenheim in the 12th minute. And then out of nowhere, they go down. Mainz goes down 2 nothing due to an Andre Kramich 34th minute goal. In a 66th minute pen, Daniel Berinsky makes it 1-2. And then an 83rd and 90th minute goal by Jean-Paul Botius. Makes it 2-2, and then respectively 3-2. The 93rd minute, Jean-Felipe Mateda makes it 4-2 for Mainz, which is a holy grail for, <laughs> for Eintracht Frankfurt. And there was a red card, the 41st minute, Christopher Bagamantemer for Hoffenheim, which did change a lot of the, the complexion of the match for Hoffenheim, which is sad to see. Hoffenheim had a great chance of going in if they just picked up a result a few games prior because the three points wouldn't have necessarily put them... No, the three points would have put them through to, I believe, either automatic Europa League play or qualifications for Europa League, but they were not able to tough it out at Mainz. So 12th minute, Ishak Befoldil makes it one nothing for Hoffenheim and uh, he leaves Europe hopes alive with the far post 
from the six-yard box into the corner. 34th minute, the free kick goal from Andre Carmero. It was it was too great. It was exceptional. It was an exceptional free kick. And it was to ultimately fortify the Europa League qualification. So they were going to finish seventh had they won this matchup. So 41st minute comes around. And it's, it wasn't a straight red card. That's what you typically see a lot now. You don't see a lot of the double yellow because they're, the players get are more cautious now. But it was a double yellow in the 41st minute for Christoph Baumgartner. Which is, you hate to see those. But I mean, I'd rather get a double yellow than a straight red. Because straight reds usually do end up to more likelihood of a longer suspension. Or you could have ultimately injured the player you fouled. But then 63rd minute game changing penalty called. By, by Florian Rilich converts and then 2-1 Mind starts their comeback in the 66th minute. Jean-Paul Boutius steals the ball uncontested, like, and I mean uncontested and unassisted ball. Far post, curler, tied 2-2 in the 83rd minute. Mines is helping Frankfurt, like, at this point, they might as well go out and be like, 20s. And the 90th minute, there's a passing clinic at the top of the 18, which then eventually did end up at the feet of Jean-Paul. And he just puts it away for his brace. And ultimately, it will become the game-winning match. But Mainz says, we're not going to stop there. We're not going to give you any shot. 93rd minute, Mainz steals Europa League qualification. Four on track Frankfurt. Play spoiler on match day 34. Seals the deal with the win 4-2. They finish low middle of the table. Nothing to be super proud of in terms of not playing in Europe. But who knows, could have been a great season for them. I'm not entirely sure. And finally, we are going to go into our farewell for some two Bayern legends and a great Bayern player. Title on the line. Home, home and field advantage. It's a fine match for the Triple R, in my case, how I like to call it. Robin, the Netherlands international who's played with Bayern for 10 years. Franck Ribéry, somebody who's been with the club for 12 years. And Rafinha. I'm sorry, I can't give you that much information like I did them. I wasn't as informed about him. And if... You want to know Robin's first name? It's Ian. Ian Robin. But an early injury, unfortunately, leads Nico Kovac to make an early substitution. So you're like, oh, all three of them are going to come off the bench, get ovations. Nope. Renato Sanchez. Yeah, he starts with an R, but nope. Sorry, he's not what you thought it would be. Puts him on the pitch, which leaves which will eventually leave Rafinha bench in his final game at Bayern Munich. When I saw the foul, I thought it was going to be, oh, he's going to put Rafinha and throw him at right back, put Joshua Kimmich into his second sort of position in that midfield. But no, he leaves it, puts Renato on the field, and leaves Rafinha benched. So now where the, all the fun action happened for when you tuned in, minus the first, I believe, like two or three goals, didn't really matter. Everybody just wanted to see Robin and Ribery come back on the field. 
aka partners in crime, aka robbery. 61st minute. Ribery comes on for Kingsley Coman. Standing ovation for Franck Ribery playing his last match in 12 seasons for the club. His family, his second family. And the 67th minute, the second half of Ribery has now entered on the pitch. Robin comes on for Serge Gnabry. And shortly after, five minutes after, I'm getting chills just talking about it and thinking about it. Sec- 72nd minute, Frank Swang Song has arrived as he gets his goal, making the f- score 4-1. Just an exceptional goal for Frank. Dribbles through players, goes this, bam, bow, pow, 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 pow. And beats Kevin Trapp, who played an exceptional match for Frankfurt. But Bayern was just too strong, too resilient, too powerful for this weak and fragile Eintracht Frankfurt side. And 78th minute, as everybody in the stadium was hoping, Robbery has scored. Ein Robin finishes off Robbery Swan's song with a wide-open assist from... David Alaba Stadium. Sure, you won't see it a lot often. If it's just any typical player, any typical game, 5-1. Okay, we scored again. But it looked like Bayern Munich players played in the World Cup and won it. Not the FIFA Club World Cup. Like, the World Cup and won it. Which, I mean, if they did, they probably would win the World Cup if they did that. But they celebrated like they won the Champions League. They celebrated... Like it was the first and only goal, like a 125th minute, final minute of extra time goal when Robin scored, when Ribery scored. It was an amazing and just touching sight to see. I also suggest that you go watch highlights, more specifically just like the last 20, 30 minutes of that match. It's an exceptional match. And that did lead to the Misushala title clincher. Which then the beer showers came. And if you don't know, it's Germany. So you win a title, everybody gets these big glasses of beer. And when I mean big, I mean like two to three feet tall, full of beer. They go run around dumping it on each other, drinking it. It's great. You should see it. And also to round out the season, you had double winners, Bayern, pickoff, RB Leipzig, 3-0, I believe. In Berlin for the DFB Pokal final, clinches the double, and then I did tell you the promotion teams are SC Cologne or Köln, if you would. Paderborn finished one and two in the second Bundesliga, and relegators are Nuremberg and Nuremberg and Hanover. Nuremberg stayed one year. Hanover had two consecutive terms before having to drop back down. And like I said, Union Berlin and that 16th seed who played them in the playoffs were VFB Stuttgart and Union Berlin played a 2-2 draw away and it was enough because they were held to a scoreless draw in Berlin. And I've never seen anything like the result what happened in Berlin. The fans, players, coaches, practically Berlin... Just flooded the field. Union Berlin finished off. Gets their first promotion, I believe, ever. Or the first one in a while. And just to close out 
how some standings look. One through eight. This is first we're gonna start with title winners. Bayern Munich. Champions League automatic Champions League spots for next year. I suggest you watch these German teams in action next year. Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Red Bull Leipzig, and Bayer Leverkusen all are going to the Champions League next year. Europa League automatic qualifications goes to Borussia Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg. Now, the team that have to play for Europa League qualifications is Eintracht Frankfurt. And no Europe for this team. They were the first team out, eighth in the standings for the Bundesliga. They had a Bremen. It's unfortunate, but they had no chance. They did win the last match day, but they were just four points behind a Frankfurt side that was going to drop to eight, assuming Hoffenheim would have won their match. And then the final four in nine, in 18th with only 19 points. Nuremberg, like I said, this was their first year back in. Didn't mean much. 17th with only 21 points. Hanover, this was their second straight term in the Bundesliga top tier. And then the playoff team, 16th place, struck over 28 points. It wasn't enough to keep them in, and uh, they didn't play well enough to stay in. So they did drop back into the second tier as Union Berlin will take their spot next year. And the, fir- and the first team safe, which 15th by four points, they had 32 points in the season, was Augsburg. Just got away from any possible chance of relegation. So I thank you for tuning in to the whole 90. And we'll end the song with... We'll end... The episode today with Binando. Bless them when there ain't no stress, and this one is straight for the girl, them. Enrique Iglesias, alongside Pente de Zona. Get the girl, them in the zona. Give them the big mouth. Trying to pile up in the air where we tell them from the chunk Locking in just like that The girl them them move from Jack Trying to pile up in the air Enrique, sing to them Do You look at me and girl you take me to another place
can keep me open at the night, don't stop. Let me buy the tent. 